0: Welcome to the Why Behind the Buy, a podcast for marketers focused on finding and targeting their ideal customers at scale. I'm your host, Monique Martin, and today we're talking about America's future as a majority minority nation, growing minority segments, and why, as marketers, we should be paying attention to the changing needs and desires of these potentially underserved groups. With me in the studio is a leading expert on this topic, Cesar Melgoza. CEO of Geoscape, which Claritas acquired at the top of the year. Thank you, Caesar, for joining us. Uh, before we jump in, for anyone unfamiliar with Geoscape, can you give us some background on what you guys do?
1: Yes, absolutely, Monique, I'd be happy to. Geoscape informs marketers about the value, the behavior, and consumption of high growth consumer groups, which we refer to sometimes as the new mainstream. Now, these consumer groups include Hispanics, Asians, African-Americans, and other cultural groups, including those in younger life stage categories, such as millennials and Gen Z consumers. We do all of this through data products built into our online platforms and through analytics, as well as research services for companies all over the country.
0: So I wanna start off with a term that I mentioned at the top of the podcast, majority minority. I'm sure a lot of people listening are wondering, what exactly does that mean?
1: Well, the term minority was used for many decades to describe certain ethnic groups that were defined by government and college programs as groups that were either underrepresented or underprivileged or underserved and it became a term in academia as well as government to refer to these groups. Today, however, these groups represent the majority of the population in more than 400 counties throughout the nation. That means these counties are home to more minorities than Anglo-Americans. It turns out that the largest cities in the nation are now and have been majority-minority for many years. Among them, for example, New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, Miami, and just about every major city in the country is now majority-minority. And our demographers and those at the Census Bureau estimate that the nation as a whole will become majority-minority in about 22 years.
0: But why is this population shift for business leaders and marketers take, to take note of? What's, what's the urgency?
1: Well, this shift has everything to do with business strategy, with marketing, and with return on investment. For example, corporations all have at least one major objective, and that objective is growth, growth in consumers, in other words, their customers, growth in revenue, growth in profits and market share. It's therefore intuitive that in order to achieve growth, you'll need to understand and reach out to consumer segments that are growing rapidly. So let me point out a couple of facts that will bring this into focus. First of all, the majority of population growth emanates from Hispanic and Asian groups. Our most recent data shows that between the years 2010 and 2019, Hispanics will contribute 68% of the growth in the United States and Asians, another 21%, African-Americans, 12%. All other groups, including Anglo-Americans, actually declined by almost a percentage point during that period of time. And this growth is only partly due to migration, which is something that has been misunderstood for many years. Most of this growth is due to natural increase. In other words, births exceeding deaths. Among Anglo-Americans, there are insufficient births to make up for the deaths. and this demography business that we're in, we refer to this as a fertility rate that is less than replacement level.
0: 68% of population growth coming from Hispanics alone. Wow. I also know Absolutely. from your your most recent AMDS uh, summary report that Hispanic households have an average remaining lifespan of nearly 14 years longer than non-Hispanic white households. And that kind of translates to a projected total household consumer expenditure, which means by all spending by households, not businesses on things like groceries, entertainment, other retail, tuition, insurance, pensions, other non-retail. And that tops out at an estimated 2.3 plus million over their remaining lifetimes, compared to non-Hispanic white households, reaching an estimated 1.5 million. So to expand on that a little more and bring it into real-life context, I want to quickly talk about two recent movies, Black Panther and now Crazy Rich Asians. Black Panther saw the fifth biggest opening weekend of all time, the biggest non-sequel opening weekend ever the biggest solo superhero launch of all time the biggest february opening weekend the highest grossing film by a black director the list goes on and then we have crazy rich asians still out in theaters so the numbers will have changed by the time this airs but it was expected to be a minor hit at best by box office experts tracked to open around 18 million over five days and what do they do they almost double that opening at 35 million Caesar, let me ask you, do you think the studios are finally starting to pay attention to the shifts in population and their corresponding tastes?
1: Well, certainly some studios have embraced this and some companies have really begun to tap into this new mainstream concept, while others are still tentative. Those who act upon the compelling data, some of which I've just presented, will find themselves reaping the large rewards for doing so. For quite some time, it's been a known fact that Hispanics, Asians, and African Americans spend a disproportionate amount of their income at the box office. And this is related. It's not that they just want to watch movies that portray people that are from their cultures or look and sound like them. But when a movie does feature people who look and sound like them, they react positively, especially when they're in favorable roles or protagonist roles or some prominent roles and not maybe a stereotypical role. Crazy Rich Asians and Black Panther are examples of that. They're crossover cultural entertainment that really resonate strongly with new mainstream communities. And more and more companies are embracing that, whether they're in the entertainment business or in another completely different business such as telecommunication and banking.
0: Yeah, I can tell you from my own experience as a biracial African-American, there was no doubt in my personal community that Black Panther would be successful. It's like you said, we want to see ourselves represented. But can you give us a few other examples where large groups may be underserved?
1: Yes, certainly. One of the communities that has been uh, underserved and underrecognized is the LGBTQ community. However, recently, these communities have begun to assert themselves, insisting on being recognized and accepted for who they are. And those marketers who have studied this subject will know that the LGBTQ community is both influential and relatively wealthy, especially when it comes to disposable income. Now, to address this challenge, Geoscape produced a -a one-of-a-kind database that takes the first step towards building an LGBTQ strategy. We built a database that enumerates the population down to a local level so that marketers can begin to understand where to focus their efforts to better serve these communities.
0: And I assume you don't want to treat everyone of one ethnicity or culture the same, as people are unique. So how can you achieve some level of personalization in building marketing programs to them?
1: Well, when it comes to cultural marketing, it really comes back to the basics of knowing your consumer, That is, knowing how to communicate with them in ways that resonate, that are authentic, and that anticipate what their needs will be. This often starts with language or idioms that are specific to a cultural group, but also includes creative approaches, a recognition for certain holidays, certain values, and certain preferences. It also was important to show respect and marketing in good taste without being patronizing. When a target customer feels included and respected in the marketing message, you'll certainly achieve the kind of lift that you're looking for as a reward. And this can lead to a mutually beneficial relationship with that consumer group over a long period of time.
0: That's a great point. I'm sure most, if not all of us agree, it's a bit annoying when you're a long time or a loyal customer of a company, for example, but the advertising they send to you doesn't resonate at all. It kind of makes you wonder, how do you not know me by now? And in turn, that kind of makes you second guess if that's the right company, if you should be spending your money with. So let's move on a little bit. We've covered population growth, but how about spending growth? What can you tell me about how the new mainstream spends and what those trends look like?
1: Thank you for asking that question. It is very critical. Oftentimes, we spend a lot of our efforts describing the growth in the population and of households, but for any business, spending is key. Spending in their category is key. As a matter of fact, one of the most compelling data points that can affect a business plan and budget is the forecasted spend by consumer segment over their remaining lifetime. Now, what I mean by this is, imagine if you could take a snapshot of all American households that are alive today, yours, mine, and all the households of those who are listening to this podcast and everybody in America. If you could take that snapshot and measure their current spending today and for the rest of their lifetimes, you would find a very interesting fact. And that is, you would find that the average Hispanic household will spend more than $400,000 more, not less than the average Anglo-American household. The average Asian household will spend more than $900,000 more than the average Anglo household. Now, this may seem counterintuitive to you, especially because Hispanic households, generally have a lower average income than Anglo-American households. However, when you consider that the median age of Hispanics is 27 and that of Anglos is 44, and they have comparable life expectancies, marketers can amortize their spend over an additional 14 years. Asians are both younger and have higher incomes than any other cultural group in the United States so there's an advantage to both sides of that equation right and in certain categories like quick service restaurants apparel food consumed at home and personal care products among others hispanics and asians actually spend more in actual dollars than anglo households just think about it for a moment a young household with growing children will need to buy more food more clothing more shampoo They'll wear out their furniture faster compared to an older household that's established who may not buy furniture for the rest of their lives, may not need a new refrigerator, doesn't eat, don't eat as much, don't outgrow their clothes and wear them out as much. So a lot of this has to do with life stage, but some of it has to do with culture. Some of it has to do with the way people spend and what they choose to spend their their money on. And there are many examples of this that are illustrated in the report that we publish every year called the American Marketscape Data Stream, which is due out very soon.
0: I think that's a great spot to take a quick commercial break. We have lots more to talk about today. But I want to pause to mention one of Geoscape's newest solutions that has proven to help you find more of your best customers. Audientivity is a digital audience targeting platform used to reach individual consumers and businesses through IP targeting. Ad targeting technology combined with U.S. household data, cultural segmentation data, and more gives you the resources to reach niche markets and target qualified prospects. To learn more about Audientivity, download case studies, or talk to us about IP targeting, visit www.geoscape.com. So in the second half of today's podcast episode, I wanna get into a serious and polarizing topic that's extremely relevant in our current political climate. Cesar, there's been a lot of talk about illegal immigration and you mentioned something about immigration earlier and arguably that spilled over into the marketing world in terms of reluctance to invest in reaching Hispanics in particular. What's your point of view on this apparent trend?
1: Well, it's uh, an unfortunate byproduct of the immigration debate. And some some business people and other people fail to understand two key things. One is that most of the growth in the Hispanic population and the Asian population is due to natural population increase, not migration. That is people being born in this country. Okay. The second thing is that Cultural groups like Hispanics and Asians will rapidly assimilate and abandon the culture of their heritage. And that is really a fallacy. So the trend that we've seen over the past couple of decades is one where we as Hispanics and every other cultural group, for that matter, has a desire, an increasing desire to reclaim our culture and even celebrate it and share it. This is what we sometimes call retroacculturation. and that is we feel we can be completely American, but retain certain elements of our culture, like language, cuisine, arts, music, and even things like preparing meals at home and enjoying them together as family, uh, and the family unit itself, communicating, using social media, etc. In other words, there's a recognition that we can be American, but that doesn't mean that we need to abandon our culture. We can continue to embrace it. Uh, we love to speak the language, and we love sharing this. So it doesn't make, make us any less American. It just mm-hmm. expands our perspective. And unfortunately, people fail to, misun- fail to understand that uh, it's not all about immigration. It's not about illegal immigration. It's about growth and consumers. It's frankly what's good for the company as well as good for the consumer.
0: Mm -hmm. I think that's an important point about the immigration debate. Yes, it's prominent in the news, but the majority growth that we see in this country, we have to remember it's due to natural population increases. So businesses shouldn't be hesitating to take advantage of this huge chunk of consumer spend opportunity. They're doing themselves a disservice if they do, quite frankly. So I want to end our discussion today, Caesar, on something that's immediately actionable for those of uh, you that are listening at home. If you were a guest in a Fortune 1000 company board meeting, what advice would you have for their leadership?
1: Well, the single most important suggestion I would have for their leadership team is quite simply to budget according to your forecasted revenue and profit. In other words, understand which groups will contribute to your top line and your bottom line for several years to come and allocate resources and marketing spend accordingly. Okay. That means that you're going to be investing in the future, not in the past. So find out where those future dollars are likely to come from and go after those consumers that represent the majority of the growth. The second point is that we should be clear that enterprise value, share price, and the satisfaction of institutional investors is at stake. It's not necessarily about doing the right thing for the consumer, although that is key and very important. If you simply focus on the things that contribute to enterprise growth, that will lead you to the same conclusion. In other words, it'll lead you to the conclusion of investing in high growth consumer groups. It just so happens that those high growth consumer groups are Hispanic, Asian, and some of the other groups we've discussed today. And finally, I would say you'll need to get the right data and the right outside help to help you build a detailed strategy that is robust along with the ability to execute in what we call an in-culture specific measurable way so that you can really resonate with these target consumers and then you can measure how well you did and focus on those groups that are really being attracted to your company.
0: There you have it, great answer. Broke it down into three key takeaways so we've just about come up on the time we have for today's podcast but this is a conversation that will continue so if the topic of multicultural marketing is of interest to you and it should be stay tuned for future episodes i want to thank my guest caesar and thank you at home for downloading and listening you can find more from us at claritas.com or geoscape.com we'll see you next time